hey guys. Hey on the recording if you're listening. But if you're in the room, even better. Because we're here together. So how cute is that? Anyway. Okay. So hey guys, my name's Claire. And I'm so excited to share with you tonight. Um, hey guys. I'm really excited to share with you tonight our final. What do you mean? Oh, is anyone so sad about that? Because part of my heart is a bit sad. But I can't believe it. How many topics have we actually covered tonight? I mean, so this, this two terms. Like literally. About that. <laughs> Bella said 20,000 if you couldn't hear on the thing. Um, so 13,333. No, that wrong. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of numbers, but anyways. So who remembers some of the topics that we've covered? Salvation. Prayer. Worship. Evil. Baptism. Yeah. Prayer. Awesome. We just missed a couple event. the ones that I did, of course. The unrememberable. <laughs> no, it's key. Um, Evangelism, and we do communion and tithe. And so this week, who knows what we're going to do? Forgiveness. Okay. Justin, what what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean forgiveness? That is exactly right. How did you know? No, in all seriousness, we are going to be talking about forgiveness tonight. So before we get started, I'm just going to pray that God wants to do something in our life. So, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're a God who loves us so, so much. You are a God who forgives us a hundred million times, it feels like, even though we make mistakes, Lord. So I pray tonight, God, that you want to do something in our life. We thank you that when we read your word, you want to speak to us. You want to help us work our way through forgiveness and unforgiveness as well. So, Lord... We commit this time to you and we just pray that you are going to do something in our life tonight. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Great. So, what is forgiveness? Does anyone actually know? No? Okay. So, let me tell you on the screen in just one moment, it's going to pop up our definition of forgiveness. All right. So, the dictionary tells me forgive. So, the act of forgiving is to stop blaming. Or being angry with someone for something that a person has done or to not punish them for something that they have done. So forgiveness isn't just like a natural, like, like, you know how the Mentos and Coke, it just naturally happens. Like you put put it in and it goes like crazy. Forgiveness is not like that. It requires an action from us. It's something that we have to put into action it's like it's a verb who knows what a verb is it's a it's a doing word so to forgive is actually doing something so something that you have to do and it's something that i have to do we have to choose forgiveness we have to choose to forgive so even though forgiveness the word just sounds so simple it's a seven letter word it sounds that's so easy claire why are you even talking about that this tonight but it actually can be really hard for some people it can actually be a really challenging um Um, thing for someone to do people can go years and years maybe even decades of living and holding on to hurt they can live in unforgiveness and let me tell you one thing it damages them and it damages every other relationship that they come into so let me tell you the easiest thing you can do is learn to forgive and I think that both forgiveness and love work together it works hand in hand because I find that in God's character in his nature I can see forgiveness and love working at the same time. And I can see that through Jesus' life as well, teaching us to do just the same, to live how he lives. So I'm going to cover tonight or um, briefly skim over some um, examples in the, that are found in Scripture of times where there was forgiveness. So first of all, in Genesis 37, we hear about Joseph's story. So Joseph's brothers conspired against him and they wanted to kill him. Who ever wanted to kill their brother? I have not. 
I did not see that hand. No. Um, so they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Joseph. But instead, they stole his coat and threw him into an empty pit. Then, to make matters even worse, they sold him as a slave. Who's ever been sold as a slave? I've, great. I've seen that. There's no hands in the room, so we are safe in here. When um, Oh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Uh, uh, anyway, so it says many years later. Yeah. Okay. So many years later, a famine came over the land, and Joseph was made the ruler of Egypt. And one day, Joseph's brothers came to collect some grain because there was a famine. They had they had nothing, and Joseph recognized them. The crazy thing is, Joseph forgave his brothers for all that they did from. Wanting to kill him first, or planning a, a, a naughty, evil scheme against him. Then they planned to kill him. Then they thought, nah, let's just steal his favorite coat. Let's throw him in the pit and then let's sell him. I don't know about you, but after all that, I don't really want to forgive. Personally, I probably wouldn't forgive. It would be really hard to forgive someone. But Joseph did that. He showed love, compassion, and kindness to them. He didn't even hold a grudge. He simply forgave because he knew it was the right thing to do. We find in 2 Samuel um, chapter 11 and 12, we learn about David and Bathsheba. So David had an affair with Bathsheba while her husband was away. That is a bad thing. If you learn one thing, do not have an affair with someone. Please do not. So this lady Bathsheba becomes pregnant with David. Um, and David decides, I'm going to kill her husband just to cover myself. Mm-hmm. During an interaction with somebody else, though, David admits what he did, and God forgave him. God forgave him for, for, for doing a couple of wrong things there, um, sleeping with someone else, having their ba- I mean, giving them a baby, and then killing their husband. Like, what? Mm-hmm. But God, can, God out of that forgives David. Out of love wow. for his children, he still forgives. And let me tell you, God can forgive anything. So true. In John 8, Jesus was confronted with a woman caught in adultery. Um, the Pharisees wanted to stone her by the law of Moses. But Jesus responded in John 8 verse 7, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Yeah. Each of the angry accusers who wanted to stone her left one by one until only Jesus was left. It says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Why, Where are your accusers? Didn't, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And I love the word condemn, condemn because it means the sentence to a punishment. Okay. Jesus did not condemn her. Mm-hmm. Even though he knew what she did. She, yeah. Even though she was humiliated in front of so many people and people wanted to kill her by throwing stones at them by throwing stones at her but out of love jesus said all right whoever's never sinned before can throw the first one and they all left until jesus said go and sin no more because i am not putting that against your name the parable of the unforgiving debtor Found in Matthew 18, Jesus illustrates and highlights to us this command to forgive others and to continuously forgive. So it's not just a one-time event, it's continuously. Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And I think, isn't a bit of a funny, strange, a a bit of a strange question to ask? How often should I forgive? Like, not how many times, but how often? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. And my quick math says that's 449. That's a lot of time. Wait, is that right? 
449. I'm pretty sure quick math says it is, but I can't. Yes, yeah, 70 times 7. 7 7 to 49. Anyways, whoever knows the answer, I'll give $2 to. Um, <laughs> great job. Okay, my quick math was not that quick. So, 490 for 70 times 7. Anyway, that's actually quite a lot of times. Um, in Luke 15, verse 11 to 31, we're going to read a story about what you would commonly know as the prodigal son. And it's a story of forgiveness. And it compares one son who's lost in sin and the other son who's lost in unforgiveness. So if you have your Bibles here, you can open it up. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. So it says this. Luke 15, 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs with looked good to him, but he gave, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against you, both... I mean, sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both you, I mean, both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life he was lost but he is now found but so let the party begin woohoo meanwhile the older son was working in the fields when he returned home he heard some music and dancing in the house and he said to one of the servants what is going on your brother is back he was told your father has killed and fattened the calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved away from you and never once refused a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for, to feast on with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and um, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf, his father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was wow. lost, but he is now found. Now, isn't that just a whole... That just blows my mind that out of all of that, the brother was not even glad that his own brother came home after spending time away, you know, wasting his life doing things that he maybe regrets. But And, and the brother was saying... Why is he home? Why, Father, you, did, you never celebrate me, but the Father just loves. And that is a, that's, that's the reflection of our God, that when someone comes, it doesn't matter their past, it doesn't matter their journey, it doesn't matter what they think is a good idea. When, you, when God sees you, 
moving towards him. He just stands there with arms wide open. He puts a robe on you. He puts a ring on your finger, puts shoes on your feet. And he says, welcome home now. Let's celebrate. That is just, and I, I don't know, my father would probably never do that if I said, dad, hey, dad, can I, can I have my inheritance now? Just because like, I just don't really want to do it when you're dead. Like, can, I'm just going to move to um, New York and spend all my money and then come back and beg on my knees for more later. But my dad would say, catch a girl again like you're never coming to my house but god is not like that the father loves his children and forgives them despite what they do and there are so many other examples in the bible of forgiveness but those are just a couple that we've just very skimmed over tonight so i encourage you to read those in your own time and let god um speak something in your life um in your private time so when i think about forgiveness i think about how far god went for me for me to live with him And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for my sins and for my forgiveness. Now I get to live a life without condemnation. Next to my name, there is no offences. And sometimes I think of a piece of paper and I've exemplified it by a physical example tonight. So maybe this is what your list of offences looks like. It's got your name up the top and it says on there... um, Yeah, it's it's an illusion. (laughs) And And it says on there... Um, Claire didn't clean her room, that's an offence. Claire didn't water the plants, that's an offence. Claire didn't tell anyone that she drank the last of the milk, that's an offence. She didn't wash the dishes when I asked her to, that's an offence. She stole money from her mum's purse, that's an offence. And people probably have so many other offences under their name, next to their name, and it's just a matter of time before someone says, oh, remember this? Look Look what's on your paper compared to mine. Like, I've got nothing on mine. Mine's not as bad as yours. It's just offence after offence. And as humans, we look at the piece of paper for someone else, and we might think, oh, I'm so frustrated that look at all the things that they've done in their life and uh, we get angry and we, we want to hold them accountable and say, but remember when you did this, we want to like condemn them and say, remember when you did this, look at this offence that like you did, it's so much worse than mine. These deserve punishments, but Jesus wipes our offences away. So, we, so this, is, this is one and then that's, Jesus says, catch you and then this is, this is it now. It's got no offences next to my name. Jesus wipes away our offences. He says, Claire, you're not guilty. He says, I will take the punishment that you deserve. I'll take it upon myself. He says, you are forgiven. I won't hold this against you. And I think that's just a beautiful thing that we can never get away from the grace of God. We can never be too far away from God. We can never do something so wrong that God doesn't want to forgive us. Um, We can never not qualify for his forgiveness. We can never do something that's unworthy of his forgiveness. Because time and time again, we are forgiven. We are forgiven on the daily, to be honest. I do so much wrong stuff or things that I wish I didn't do on the daily. But Jesus still comes and says, I've taken it. I've, I've taken it right away from you. And, I, and Chloe shared a couple of weeks ago about communion. And it's so true. It's such a powerful time for us to reflect and remember what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we remember the ultimate sacrifice of love and the ultimate example of forgiveness that he did just for us. We get to come and remember what he did. And you may know the scripture, John three sixteen to 17, and it says this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It says God loved so much. Disregard behind me. It might be distracting, but it's okay. Um, God loved the world so much that he gave his son to save the world. 
And so that we get to walk and live in freedom. We get to experience forgiveness and love. And God loves us so much that Jesus took our punishment. And sometimes I like to think about it like a judge in the courtroom. Or, you know, you've done something really naughty at school and... The, the punishment should be detention. Like you've got something wrong, you've stolen a kid's bike at school or oh. Elijah punched that kid in the face at school and got caught by the teacher or, or something. And now it's finally time to pay the price. And th- they say, Elijah, you go into detention for a week. And you think, seriously, this, this sucks. Like, but I did the crime, so I better do the time, you know. But the thing is, so imagine this, right? So this is the detention room. You walk in. And the teacher says, and you you go, yeah, I'm here for my week-long detention. They say, Elijah, your name's not even on the list. What are you doing here? They say, go back to maths and have fun with your friends. Your name's not even on the list. Have you even done anything wrong? And you go, well, actually I have. And they say, well, your name needs to be on the list before I can detention you. So... You can go. That's exactly what I think about when I think about forgiveness. It's like you're walking into the punishment zone, but then all of a sudden, by the grace of God, your name's not on the punishment list. And it says, and so you don't have to waste your whole lunchtime worth of, I mean, week worth of lunchtime because you can go be having fun with your friends because <coughs> you don't have to do the time. Isn't that awesome? Okay, that, yeah, anyways. Um, it's like, it seems that the crime doesn't deserve the time that's because of forgiveness and we see it in all those stories like um times when people deserve to be punished but and they don't deserve to be let off but because god loves his children so much which is us he wipes our slate clean and forgives us completely but the on the flip side the sad thing is that the enemy wants you to live your life in unforgiveness and in punishment and of unforgiveness and he wants to tell you that you're actually guilty or you'll never be forgiven. He puts shame on you for what you've done. He condemns you and he he speaks lies over you that you aren't worthy of forgiveness, that you are going to be guilty forever and you deserve the punishment. The enemy doesn't want you to forgive anyone either. He wants you to live bitter. He wants your heart to be hardened. He wants to steal your life and kill any good thing. And you... in um, John 10.10, 10, which may come up on the screen, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Yeah. That It tells me in black and white letters on my little iPad right here, it says, The enemy comes to cause disunity. The enemy comes to destroy your life. He comes to plant hatred, bitterness, unforgiveness, and so much more. And the enemy will always remind you of how that person offended you, of how that person hurt you, of yeah. what they did to you. The enemy wants you to hold grudges um, against people and sometimes to be honest it is kind of easier to hold a grudge than to forgive someone (laughs) but we or this I'm actually stealing this line from Pastor Josh but I'm clarifying it tonight (laughs) we don't forgive someone because we feel like they don't deserve we I mean we don't forgive someone because we feel like they don't deserve unforgiveness we forgive them because we know we were first (laughs) forgiven and he didn't say that like that but I've just made it my own so I'll trademark that one so you can't take it. No, just kidding. Um, but we see in Ephesians 4 verse 32, it actually, it actually says that to us. It says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgive one another just as God has forgiven you. Yeah. And, and, we're, and we're told that we have to forgive. We have to let go of offences. It's not... Our life isn't just to hold grudges because if we 
I mean, you can hold a grudge if you want an ugly thing to grow in your life. I'm just saying. If you want something pretty and beautiful in your life, you choose to forgive. And I love the analogy of trees that are used in the Bible because the trees that Scripture um, talks to us about um, is actually a reflection of our life. It says in Matthew 7 verse 18, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And I don't know about you, but I want to produce the good, juicy oranges in my life. I want to produce those good and juicy apples in my life. I want that good fruit to just be... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. So in a moment, Erica's going to flick up some um, another scripture for us. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. So as believers, that is the fruit we should be producing in our life. We should be like those good trees producing the good fruit. The good fruit is for others to take from and to eat from the good fruit is for others to be blessed by and the holy spirit produces those good things in our life so we don't want to live a life um of bad fruit you know growing off of us we don't want to live in anger hate disunity conflict discord and unforgiveness because um we don't want that stuff on our life because that is the ugly bad stuff that we just can't be having and the thing about fruit (laughs) is that on the tree it sometimes looks so good like it's that beautiful glaze glimmering in the sunlight and it's it's until someone picks it off the tree and bites into it the appearance the color the presentation looks so good there's no bugs in it there's no bruises but until you go to bite into the fruit that's when the taste really tells you what it is it it might have a if i oh wait it, if it has a bad taste, it's bitter, it's mushy, it's all bruised, it's sour, and it's rotten. Sometimes those things in our life um, can be produced too. Like they look really good from the outside, but then as soon as there's a little bit of conflict, the yucky stuff comes out. Um, on the outside, we look good, and on the outside, we come across as so nice, and we might be the, a really nice person, but until something happens and an issue arises that we need to resolve and we need to forgive... That's when the bad fruit sometimes comes out and is produced and becomes visible. And I don't want to live, I don't want to be like that (laughs) disgusting apple in the fruit bowl that's been sitting there getting rotten for (laughs) weeks and weeks. Am I just speaking to myself? Because we all have that fruit bowl, right? That not metaphorical, that actual physical one. There's that one piece of fruit that no one wants to chuck in the bin because it's so gross to touch. Yeah, (laughs) just chuck the whole bowl in the bin. That's key. Um, No, but... I don't want to be like that, you know, getting rotten over weeks and weeks or that banana that's still beautiful and yellow on the outside, but inside it's all brown and mushy and just yuck, rotting away. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because that's what unforgiveness does in us. You know, you're, you're beautiful on the outside, but until something happens, we're getting rotten and we're going bad from the inside. Um, and that is causing, like, that unforgiveness and that bitterness and that is causing hurt in our life yeah. as well. So it's an easy way to spoil good fruit is by adding unforgiveness and bitterness. Yeah. A good and healthy tree, which is what we should be growing into as a believer, only produces good fruit. It only produces something that's healthy, that's delicious, that's nutritious, and that leaves a good taste. And what I love from um, the fruit of the Spirit is that every element of that forgives. Love forgives. Joy says, I will forgive. You're joyful and you say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to forgive this in a joyful manner, not in a 
seriously? Again, you've, you've crashed my car again? No, but Joy says, because I love you, I'm going to forgive you. Yeah. Patience mm-hmm. is forgiving. You're not allowing something to grow um, rotting inside of you. Kindness and goodness forgives. Faithfulness forgives. Gentleness <laughs> forgives. And self-control forgives. And sometimes we don't know that there's unforgiveness and bad things growing in, inside of us until we have to forgive someone again. And we just want to move on with our lives and say, oh, I find I'll just, I'd rather lose a friend than forgive this situation. I'd rather... Um, lose a friend and deal with what I have to. Yeah. We don't want to take time to deal with the issue of unforgiveness, but if we don't deal with it, it'll deal with us. And it keeps on growing and it takes over. Unforgiveness grows bitterness, hatred, and just hurt. And so I'll tell you, oopsie, I'll tell you this. It's the best way to deal with unforgiveness is to partner with God. It's to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to forgive. Ask God, God, teach me how to forgive this person. Ask God to keep your heart soft. Ask God to remove any seeds of unforgiveness that are in your heart and work with God to forgive. We don't have to do it on our own because if we did, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do it. Let me just tell you that you wouldn't be able to do it if you had to do it on your own. But what we do have to do is first be willing to forgive. Yeah. So there are so many times in my life, and I'm sure in your life as well, when you maybe just find it that little bit harder to forgive that person or to forgive that situation. But we need to remember that we can forgive because God first forgave us and yeah. continues to forgive us every single day. <laughs> so before we finish tonight, I, I was just thinking maybe we'll just say some declarations um to be because i know sometimes i just think wow i'm just such a bad person like i'll just feel like i'm the worst friend or i've done something so bad how am i ever going to be forgiven so i just want to give you some statements that you can speak over yourself that um can encourage you to understand that you are forgiven so let's say i am forgiven because god forgave me i mean sorry just cut this out I can forgive. I can forgive. Because God forgave me. And I am forgiven. I am forgiven. My slate is wiped clean. Because of what Jesus did for me. Amen. Amen. And that's actually a prayer in itself. So I want to encourage you. If you struggle with um, moments where you stru- like you have a hard time forgiving, just ask God. Just say, God. Teach me how to forgive. Teach me what you would do in this situation. Yeah. And God isn't going to be quiet. He's not going to say, oh, figure it out yourself. Good luck. He's, he wants to partner with you. So I encourage you. Um, maybe there's things that you do need to forgive tonight. And I just want to um, tell you to, to do it. Action it because it's a verb. Do it because God loves you and you love people. And that's all. That's the end of term three.